The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki Season 2. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. You are listening to Habs and Minded. Brought to you by HabsEyesOnThePrize.com. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Absent Minded. I'm joined here by none other than Jason Paul from Africa. Hello, Africa. Hello, Africa. I'm here. I made it. Yeah, well, you know, and, and we got a new a year. connection here. So <laughs> a new year, a new connection. And uh, well, I, I, I'm not going to participate in Shakira's fantastic song about, you know, the World Cup 2010. But but yeah. You know, yeah. we're here, we're, we're, we're having a connection and we're almost in the same time zone. That's even better. I know. It's fantastic. We should be doing this every week. Yeah, well, I might take you up on that. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, you have a great tweet today. And that's why I really went off um, in, in my meeting because I was like, all right, let's sort this out now because we've been saying <laughs> we should have done a podcast ages ago. And uh, but the tweets today were, were about who to keep and who to get uh, or, or who to look for a trade at when it comes towards the trade deadline. And and really, I mean, on your list, there is really six names only to yeah. keep. Yeah, and the only reason you looked at it is because Romanoff was not there. Oh, right? actually, you tagged me, so I would look <laughs> <Yeah>. at it. <laughs> Without Romanoff on there, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, like, I, I can see keeping Suzuki, Caulfield, and Evans. I get that. Like, those those three, I really get. I, I, I totally understand that. Uh, I might not understand the reason to keep around Edmondson, but fine. Toffoli, I get. Anderson, I think, is a little bit overrated, though. Uh, I wouldn't yeah. mind getting rid of him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Those these lists are fantastic because it's it's not just about how good the player is, as you know, right? It's a lot about what the salary is, what they bring for leadership, and uh, you know, do other teams want these players, right? Yeah. So, I and mean, Anderson's you, I contracts. Mean, like, what do you get for them? Is it like yeah. a fifth round pick, or is it a first round pick, and everything in between? Exactly, and you can't gut the team. You need yeah. players. I mean, as much as people want to, you know trade for second round picks and third round picks. I think the other tweet that I sent out today that, that uh, got a bit of movement was, you know, I showed every, all the picks between uh, the 21st pick and the 30th pick in the draft. So the bottom of the first round mm -hmm. for 10, I, I put out for the last five years and I put out for the last mm -hmm. 10 years. And there are some big names out there, but it's not, you know, trading for those bottom first round picks doesn't mean you're going to get a star. Far from no, it. it's, it's, it's essentially you're trading for an early second rounder you could you could leave it at that i mean like yeah it's the same kind of value looking at games played uh out of in, in nhl down the line i think that there is obviously the top five the top 10 and top 15 and then the decline goes very sharp from from the top 15 and then everyone remembers the home runs no one really yeah. remembers the, the ones that bottom out i agree and, and i think it's it's the allure of having that pick and I think Lekkonen is a great example. 
people who follow me on Twitter might know that I'm not the biggest Lekkonen fan. Um, he's having a, an amazing year, mostly because he sticks out uh, his performance-wise compared to the rest of the rest of the team, and he well, really sticks out as as performing extremely well yeah. statistically, right? And so, I mean, th- if they do sell, they're going to sell very high. But he is a young player who is a NHL player who is a professional. Shows up, other players Play, can other his team, yeah, playoff performer team. Other players look at him and say, "Look how hard he works." That's the kind of player you want in your team. So mm. you're just going to give that up for a second round draft pick, and or even a first. If it's a first, it's a late first. You might not be able to get a player like Lekkonen for a late first round draft pick. No, Lekkonen. And if you do, what, he's not somewhere around the fiftieth when he was drafted, right? Yeah. And you spend all this time, and I, I harp on this on Twitter as well. You, you spend all this time uh, developing the player, whether you think that the, the Habs are good developments or not. The fact is that they spent all this time to get him to his prime. You have him for two prime years, you could argue, and now you're just going to give him away. So you have to be careful with how you manage your, your assets here. You can't just gut the whole team and get draft picks in return and expect to have a decent team. No, and but one other factor is obviously um, with my other work with McKean's is looking at the draft, and you want more picks in next year's draft than in this year's draft. Yeah, and that's a good point. I think we're going to see from uh, Hughes and uh, Gordon uh, if if see how far in the future they're looking because they may prefer next year's draft, like you say, for smart. You know, not only because maybe the draft is better, but because they might be able to. Get yeah, somebody's little, get higher, much higher in the uh, in the ranking, right? Yeah, a little bit like Arizona is hoping for for Montreal, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also like you 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 probably have to consider the fact that you cannot, you as you mentioned, look far too far into the future. Like you can't put this. You know, you need to ice a team when do you expect it to be competitive? Because that is essentially what we have to look at at this trade deadline. When will the team be competitive? Because let's say it's going to be two years from early draft picks now when they are going to reach a certain level that you will sort of see where they will continue down the line. But is that two years from drafting 2023 or 2022? And how much of the yeah. team is going to be made up of these? And how can you keep Caulfield around? How can you keep Evans around? How can you keep other prospects that are about to blossom into the NHL? You know, Harris, Gooley, and, mm-hmm. and others, Norlinder maybe, uh, you know, uh, happy as well in, in under these circumstances. Yeah. Um, I mean, Hughes did say in his, uh, I think it was a French bit, so I might not have it 100% straight in my mind, but I think they asked him, uh, you know, whether there was going to be a retool here or something. They asked him pretty quickly. Um, and he did mention that, you know, it's circumstantial. It depends on, on a lot of things, right? So just like what happened to the Rangers when, they, when uh, Jeff Gordon sent out that letter, and then what was it only 12 months later or 18 months later, he, he signed Panarin and, and uh, Fox was on the radar as well, I think, soon after. Uh, so that just changes everything so quickly. 
Could that yeah. happen to the Habs? I, I kind of doubt it. <laughs> so they should be probably looking more like a three, four-year plan here, but uh, you never know, right? You never know. And, and you have these players that come out of nowhere as well and actually performs at a higher than expected level. So, so you got that. But by looking at, at some of these, you, we mentioned Lekkonen. What do you think is a realistic thing to, to get for Lekkonen? Is it like a Lars Eller kind of deal? Uh, a short kind of deal to second rounders or, or can you can you get a, a late second first round yeah I think I mean I, I, I went on Twitter saying uh, earlier this week that I, I thought it was more like a third rounder plus uh, a pros like a prospect um, and I kind of got a little bit of backlash on Twitter for that and I think right rightfully so people are coming back saying well like Goudreau uh, uh, Barkley Goudreau got uh, got a first rounder, and he's a winger. And and uh, Coleman as well got a first rounder. Is Lekkinen in, in in that realm? And I I did one of my versus comparisons: uh, Coleman versus Lekkinen this year. Coleman when he was traded uh, two years ago versus Lekkinen now, and it's a fantastic comparable. You could argue that Lekkinen's actually having a much better season than Coleman was that year, except the sexy twenty goals that. Coleman scored right he definitely is a bit of more of a goal scorer yeah so yeah I, I I could see I could see a first rounder looking at it now more holistically yeah because and, and it also comes down to would you accept a second round and a, a decent prospect because that might also shorten that kind of retool or or, or that that we're sort of looking at for Montreal we have to be honest and, and I don't think anyone looks at it realistically and go yeah, we're going to compete next year. Uh, you can always argue that you can always compete if Carey Price is healthy, but we don't know if he's going to be healthy yet. We all hope mm-hmm. he's going to be, and 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 that's it. But he's not on. He's not on your list either. So uh, Carey Price, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> can you get so anything get- for Carey Price at the moment? Because that is what it's going to come down to. Yeah, I I, uh, I want them to keep Carey Price. I think you know when you have a legendary person like that on your team, I think you should try to keep him. But I just think there's too many uh, instances and uh, information out there that point to he's going to leave. Uh, first of all, the rebuilding, he's not going to want to, I would think that he wouldn't want to stick around for a rebuild. The fact that he allowed himself to be exposed in the expansion draft means that there's got to be some things turning in his head to say, you know, what would it be like somewhere else? Would I want to go to back to the West coast, for example, and I just, you put those pieces together and, and I can totally see uh, them moving him at the deadline. Absolutely not in the summer, maybe, but more likely a year from this summer, I would say like give them a run with the, like they might want to keep him to help with the team a bit with the leadership. And he's kind of got to restore his maybe reputation and show that he can play. Right. Um, Indeed. Yeah. And so yeah, I, I would I would target the following summer, if you ask me. And also looking at it, and, and this is the big name that it's being tossed around along with Lekanen really is is Ben Chirot or Ben Chirot. Um Elliot Friedman tweeted earlier today, uh, or, or said earlier today on radio that um there are teams looking to get a deal done on Chirot already and mentions Florida, St. Louis, Calgary, and oh my god, Toronto. 
<laughs> and yeah. and in, in some ways that's really good because obviously that's going to start some kind of bidding war where where price might drive up but also it might cause teams to look elsewhere for because the price is going up too far yeah look i'm uh i'm a huge Ferrat fan and i know, uh, I, know. <laughs> I, pro I, I probably lose uh, being an analytics guy i told myself as an analytics guy uh you know I don't make any friends in the analytics world and I don't even make, I think I lose followers every time I tweet about Sharat or, uh, or Mia, for example, but I, I am a hockey guy deep down and I've played a lot of hockey and uh, I just love Ben Sharat. I think there's space for a Ben Sharat on any winning team. Um, I would say the same thing on a way smaller level for, for a guy like Armia. These guys, my opinion on guys like these are, and I think where the analytics gets lost a little bit, he's having a terrible season. Any way you look at it, uh, analytically, any deep stats, basic stats, he's not having a good season. So I'm not going to defend that. But uh, players, when it comes to advanced stats, you can be good defensively, but not be a good defensive player. You know, so a guy like Panarin or any offensive player, his stats defensive stats are going to wash out beautifully because he's never in defense. He's never in the defensive zone all the time. So is he a great defensive player? No. Do you love that player? Absolutely. Is he better than a defensive player that gets caved in? Yes. But there's always room on a really good team for a player that can play strong defense and analytic people probably don't, def don't define being stuck in your end and getting shot at as good defense. But hockey people and teams still love these kinds of players when they have a lead and they're the kind of guy that knows how to get out of the end and can lay down in front of your goalie and absorb shots, basically. So he's, in my opinion, regardless of this terrible season he's having, super valuable. He, his resume is last year's playoffs. And your only counter-argument to his performance in last year's playoffs are, is that the other four players on the ice were carrying him. And I just don't buy that. Okay, and now you have to explain why you don't buy that. <laughs> I, I just think that uh, um, there's room for players like him that don't shine when, when you need a goal and when you need to come back. But when the game is tied and when you're up, when you're leading, he's the kind of player that is a predictable defensive defenseman, which means you might... He's going to allow rushes to come in. He's going to allow that kind of stuff. But everything he does is extremely predictable. And that's in a defensive structure, what coaches and the rest of the team want. They don't want somebody who's making crazy plays, uh, even though that those crazy plays might be very skillful. And, and, and in the end of a general game, will wash you out nicely. Um, yeah. So I mean, we'll your, see. Your, your partner... You, looking at the defense, you have a defensive partner and yeah, you want that player or you want both players to know exactly what the other one is going to do at all times. In some ways, you want them mm -hmm. to be twins. They're going to have that mind connection yeah. that you don't understand. And, and Ben Chirot is one of those guys that you know if, if A happens, he will do C. If B happens, he will do Z, etc., etc. He is very predictable, but he's very good at being predictable as well. Or, or when mm -hmm. being predictable as, as well. And, and I can get that. Uh, and as you mentioned, and, and as we spoke a little bit about with, with Lekonen as well, 
their record has the added bonus of, of having a great season right now, but also both of them had last year's playoffs uh, on their resume. They're proven. Uh, Lekkonen also comes with, you know, a, a reasonable cap hit and, and restricted free agency. So, so you're getting something. He is protected for you as well or for the team that, that gets him because I think he's going to leave, unfortunately, and I still haven't got that 62 jersey that I promised myself to get five years ago. <laughs> yeah. But but yeah, it's it's essentially could you get a first round pick for Sharot? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You, you see, I don't have it on the top of my head, but almost every deadline, there's oh the competitive teams are always going after this third, fourth, fifth defenseman who's a big, tough guy that can play within a system and be simple. Um, and he's a bit, I think he's more than that. He proved that he can play in the top four huge minutes. So he's he's even better than, uh, what's the defenseman's name I'm looking for on, on the Maple Leafs, um, who played for the, the Tampa Bay. What's his name? Oh, no, I don't follow the Maple Leafs, you know? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, he, he won the cup with Tampa Bay, you know, similar kind of style player. And, you know, people would, would argue that the better defenseman propped him up. Uh, and I think there is definitely some some credence to that. But I think sometimes you get a lot of value out of having a really good defenseman with with more of a stay-at-home defenseman rather than trying to put two uh, really good defensemen together. You're almost wasting some of the value there. You know what I mean? I mean, traditionally, like Kulak, coaches have, has gone with that one stable defenseman with maybe a, yeah. a little bit more of an exploring defender uh on on the opposite side um in in some ways the role that alexander romanov played in seska where he was the the defensive sounding secure player as soon as the puck went over the red line he he went into the to the changing booth and 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 (laughs) you know like he went onto the bench and sat there and waited for it to come back and he went jumped on and and yeah you, you had Nesterov going all crazy with played as much as he wanted, but only in the offensive zone. But, but yeah. you know, you, you have those kind of players for a reason, and that is to back up and maybe give a little bit more stability of that defender that can jump into the rush, that can jump into the circle because you got that really strong defender that could cover up. And I obviously, and, and that's why you tagged me as well, mentioned that you don't have Romanov on that list. Yeah, even with the yeah, I hitting, mean, hitting performance he's having at the moment. Yeah, no, I mean, I think this is where we're going to start to clash here, and you're not going to get <laughs> me back on the next podcast. Uh, Never going to happen. You know, Never going to happen. We're going to we're going to when we cut this, we're going to open a beer, and then we're going to be friends again, even if it's over Zoom. But it's fine. <laughs> yeah, uh, don't drink and drive, by the way, just so everyone knows that. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Like if I just go on my eye test and I'm not a scout and I've been wrong many times before, I, I, I can't say that I've loved Romanov's game uh, almost from day one. I think he's had some good periods. I think the best period, I, I, if I recall, was when he was uh, paired with Kulak last year at the end of the season. I think there was like a 10 or 15 game stretch where it just seemed to, I, I liked that the best. Uh, and then some performances in the playoffs when I just liked his desperation. But 
what I love in an NHL player is calmness. Uh, yeah, and, and maybe I overvalue that. Uh, and when I see Romanov, I see him being way, way too busy. I just, I just find him overplaying. And this is something we, we talked about last year on the podcast, actually. And I'm, I've been trying to see him settle that down. And I've seen moments settling that down. I see him over skating, over playing, over committing, and uh, including on hits. The hits are beautiful, and I love that style. Hit the I love hits. Old and, traditional hip oh, X shoulder checks great. to the chest, and you know, yeah, they're great. I mean, like yeah, he can he can use it. He can do an instruction video to show to kids. This is how you hit players. Yeah, perfectly. He's so strong. Like he's not that big of a guy, and I just I, I am amazed at how even without making a even just in the corner i just find him rubbing when people try to hit him other players try to hit him he's able to knock them down it is he's got this incredible knack kind of like um i, I wonder how yeah. you know his core has to be super strong and his balance has to be you know he must have worked on that extra not just you know i'm skating a little bit and i got balance from that he's working with a yeah. balance ball and, and all the extra work traditional russian mm -hmm. style but this this i find him Again, like cross checking, like over almost over cross checking, and I, I've seen a lot of uh, practice clips, and I think I'm sure you've seen the practice clips too, uh, where they're practicing that, and I just find him like it's just a bit too much. They're are they trying to make him play like Ben Sherrod, and you know that that's that's what those guys do, Weber and Sherrod. They cross check because they're so big they can make it not look like a cross check and really really hurt you. Um, but anyway, I, I I'm a little I'm definitely disappointed in in general in his uh, performance. Also because this was a kind of the year where he could have really risen to the top, and I just find that he hasn't he hasn't done that. And I look at some of the data. He's getting. He's not, he's not getting the defensive zone starts. He's at the bottom of the team. The quality of competition is low. So it just, it just shows that the coaches are still don't trust him. I guess they're still putting him in that over the course of the season. The stats are not good. They're not great. The whole team's not good, but he's like Lekkonen sticks out. The whole team looks bad, but Lekkonen sticks out. Right. And you got some other players in there that stick out. Like actually Suzuki's doing okay. Offensively, not so much. Um, on the D core, I have it up here on my, my thing. Some of the guys are sticking out, but it's because they don't play. They haven't played that much like Niku and Weidman. Um, but then again, Romanov's stats are not that great, but in his last 10 games, they are, the stats are much improved. He's near the top for, uh, expected goals for on ice and near the top, uh, expected goals against. Uh, so that was like a complete turnover from the start of the season, but I watched, I, I still watch him and I'm, I'm just not overconfident. I'm just, <laughs> just, I don't know. There, how do you there, feel? there are two sides to this coin and, and I, I get what you're saying. And I've been following him since his first KHL game more or less. I think it was the second actually, but, but, but yeah. And he, in, in Seska, he had one role and then in the world juniors, he had another role and he was, he should have been awarded the best defender two years in a row. He wasn't, but but for because of you know politics and stuff like that. But but he, he should have. 
but I think what Montreal is trying to do is making him play as he did in the World Juniors. Whereas yeah, at the World Juniors, there is a discrepancy within the teams because you're not going to get the 700 best hockey players in the world mm-hmm. as you do in the NHL or, or more or less 700 best players. There's going to be odds in and out that are in Sweden and Russia and Switzerland and whatnot. But, but you're going to have these kind of players that, you know, everyone is really, really good. Let's leave it at that. And and you're not going to have that physicality to, to maybe benefit from and play is going to be a little bit higher all the time rather than at odds and evens in, 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 in the World Juniors. Seska had the right approach, I think. They wanted to make him a stable defensive defender and that's what how they used him you have to start to learn to walk before you can start to run. And they, they mm-hmm. wanted him to, to really walk perfectly before he even started to jog. So, so I, I think, and Montreal, when he came over was, you know, we're going to make you into this cool superstar player that you are in the world juniors. And there is a discrepancy with the players, obviously. For obvious reasons, you're gonna have McDavid. He's not in the World Juniors. You, you're not even gonna have someone like McDavid in the World Juniors every year. Mm-hmm. So there, I, I think that is the discrepancy, and I think that is, in some ways, we come back to this when, and it seems to have been a th- trend on many podcasts <laughs> for for a while. The development system, and and you, one can or, only hope that Hughes and, and, and um, Gordon. Gordon is, is, is looking into, you know, what do we want? What can we change? How can we help the players already? Mm-hmm. And if that, that's 10 game span sort of coincides with that, doesn't it? Like with the changing mm-hmm. on the GM and, you know, they haven't changed coach yet, but I don't think anyone can see Ducharme continue. Uh, so so you have this and maybe and then let's face it we 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 usually say the khl is not a development league the nhl is definitely not a development league you mm-hmm. don't have time yeah. for for long practices and 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 on ice you know minuscule partnerships you mentioned the, the cross checks that's something i've been mentioning in my reports about him on top 25 under 25 since, since his first year that you know he has these cross checks and he works with the sticks a lot. That is something he needs to get rid of because his skating is so good, his balance is so good. He doesn't need to do that. He can force them out with his body anyway. And and yeah, I I, I was hoping that he would take that down, tone that down when he came to the NHL. On the other hand, it seems to have risen more more than anything. Yeah. On the other hand, yeah. the beautiful hits. Yeah, <laughs> and and looking yeah. back and to, to where we started this discussion in some ways is re- what can you really get for Romanov right now? Because if you should have sold on Romanov, you should have done it when he left Seska. That's when you should have done it because he was unknown and another team might have had a better way of developing him. Yeah, I agree. Because right now uh, he's known, he's a known quantity you're yeah. not going to get anyone to to pay overprice for him and that i think means that he's going to stay mm-hmm. and i hope he's going to stay because i haven't gotten that you know 27 years yeah, later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean that 
that that's that's the, that's one of the reasons he wasn't on that list is is because I didn't really put players on that list that are that are not they're not going to get anything, right? Or they're not going to so, get relevant value at least. Yeah, so it's better to keep those players, right? So and Paling wasn't on the list for me as well, and that's how I feel about him as well. I'm like, I I, I totally see that that's exact. If you're going to go into a rebuild, that these two players are great players to keep working with. Uh, and I'm not saying that. I'm definitely not saying that Romanov's a bust and whatever. I'm just I am disappointed, and he's still young, but I am a little bit disappointed with him and the team. And the team, the team's got to shoulder some some blame there as well. Uh, coaching and GM definitely has to shoulder some. Yeah, because they are trying. In my way, they're forcing a square peg down the round hole. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, but then, I'll, but I'm I'll not a scout your, either. I'll... So, or I'm, par- I'm a partial <laughs> scout, but I'm not. I'm not. Yeah. It's not my full time job. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but I mean, I'll counter your argument with, you know, one another tweet I did a couple weeks ago, or when Hughes got hired there. Um, or it was an older tweet was, you know, an analytics department is not just about analytics for player performance. Analytics department in big organizations do way more than that. They, they, they do studies and stuff to, to tell you to help management make decisions. Like, should I, should I trade like an in for a first round draft pick? Uh, should I be drafting defensemen in the first round or the third round or whatever? Because there's a, there's an equation here. There's, there is a, um, you know, a performance and you, to, to be able to measure the value of what you're doing. And if you're telling me that Romanov is going to be defensive defenseman, that means he's, to me, unless he becomes an elite defensive defenseman, he's not a num- number one or number two D-man. He'd be lucky to be number three, number four, I would think. And so then you start to become of the equation with, I'm putting all this money and, and, and time into this guy because I'm developing him into a fifth defenseman. I would argue, and I have, I don't have the analytics or to, to, but I would want to do this if I was on a team. Why are you putting so much time and effort in somebody that you can get a fifth and sixth defenseman very easily in the trade market or the free agency market very easily plug and play. I always use the term plug and play because you get a Joel Edmondson for $5 million a year. You don't have to train him. You don't have to have him in your lineup for two or three years making mistakes. You plug him in and you have an NHL defenseman. And you can do that more easily at the, at the fifth and sixth level, I would argue. So my issue with him is, my issue with any developing player is if it's not going to be a home run-ish, then you have to ask yourself how much time and energy you're putting in developing a player like that. Agreed. Uh, and, and an analytics department in, in any job is also going to tell the coach, you know, you need to improve on this or you need to, to work on it like this way. And it doesesn't seem to have happened here either. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, but on the other hand, you, you mentioned that the plug and play and, and, and all that. But it's also in, in some ways, when you look at Romanov, you could have let him stay in Russia for a couple of years, but you would have no control. And I think in, for Montreal, control was more important than actually, you know, develop, like looking to what his development full time would be in, in a longer yeah. aspect. They wanted to control early. You saw that a little bit with Matthias Norlinder as well this year. 
who they kept around, kept around until he passed the 1st of December, and then they had control. Mm -hmm. uh, Matthias Nordlander is uh, maybe a guy you don't want to mess with uh, when it comes because <laughs> when he becomes angry, he's gonna he's gonna be sour. <laughs> he's gonna go sour yeah. quite easy. And oh uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you heard that with the interview in 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 Gothenburg Post. Yeah. But you know, and I know for a fact that there are other quotes that was not mentioned. That was quite. Heavy. Oh no, no. Uh, but I mean, like, if you promise a player something. You give it to them, especially when they're young. So, so I think yeah. that's part of it, and I think, I think maybe that will be the most important change with the management. I think they're going to be more open to kind of, you know, looking down the line, not having that complete control, maybe all the time, but to trust the the development clubs. If you look at it, like it's it's tough to call Seska and Frölunda development clubs, but they are in in, in regards to the NHL. Mm -hmm, for sure anyways it's it's always good to have uh, jason paul on and uh, always good to speak with another continent that is not north america <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so who do you i mean like i'm going to put you on the on, on 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 the spot here and i haven't really asked you to look into this but your gut feeling which players are going to be traded at the deadline uh well i don't want to make this too long-winded but I mean, I think they want to get as many, they want to clear as much as they can and get some, get some stuff for them. But there is a logistical issue at the, at the trade deadline, right? Like you, you, a lot of times they wait to the last minute and then three or four fall apart and they only get one or maybe they get zero. So it'll be interesting to see if he starts dealing a few days or even well before the trade deadline, just because of the logistical difficulties of, of having four or five balls in the air in the last five hours of the trade deadline. So I'll look at that. So that was a bit, sorry, long-winded, but Sherratt's going to go. I think Lekkanen is going to go. Uh, and unfortunately, it's going to be players that they that are really good that are going to go like that, right? So, uh, and then I can't see my, maybe, maybe small pieces, but you're not going to see it to Foley goal. You're not going to see um, uh, Gallagher goal. Um, these are those are big ones that are going to would have to be done in the summer. So, like no Petrie, for example. Oh, Petrie with his contract is probably going to wait, you know, until they're more certain. Unless some team really wants to go all in, I would assume, but we don't know that. And and when you go for someone like Petrie, you also have to have a clear mind of who he's going to play with down the line, like. Mm -hmm. on my team he's going to be 1b or, or 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 2a kind of defender and he's going to play with this guy you have to have that more or less already sorted when you go in into that and obviously montreal is going to know that and then they're going to ask for you know the price because if someone goes for petri it will probably be someone that has a big chance of winning the cup as well yeah, I think teams are getting a bit smarter nowadays. They're they're putting their chips all in, which I think is a good thing to do. And uh, again, it's just a matter of can they get those things done, the deals. What do you think? I I see I see Sherrod going. Obviously, I see Lekkonen going. Unfortunately, uh, I really hope. I remember that time when Lekkonen had the was it Timonen's 
cup with with Philadelphia, right? That that he got to stand with, and he said, "I'm going to hoist yeah. that one day." And you know, he was in the finals, and and I think, you know, he scored the 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 semifinal clinch or the final clinching goal, the semifinal ending goal. Uh, that is going to carry some weight in in a, in a trade as well. I'm I'm more interested in some ways to see who will will come back because there's not only going to be draft picks but um but are we getting some interesting players in return because that that will be in as interesting and you you could probably get someone on a short contract into to the uh uh into the uh I, I just need to look at their roster here, but uh, yeah, I, I agree with you in the way that can you get something for Wiedemann? You probably take it. Can you get something for Nico? You probably take it. Uh, yeah. No matter what. So, so there are small deals on the on the. But I, I also agree. Obviously, you're not going to lose Suzuki. You're not going to lose Caulfield. You. I don't think you're losing Grant. I like Grant this year. I don't know if you how he watches out. Um, I wouldn't mind losing Anderson. I think he's overrated. I know you like him, but I, I wouldn't mind losing Anderson. And I think he can go to one of those playoffs teams that need this heavy Borshek kind of attacking winger with great speed. Yeah. I think I think someone will look into that. Wonder is the question is, is it worth it for the price that you're gonna get him back? I think Anderson might be the, the guy. Armia might be a guy, another guy that, that might go. Yeah, I think uh, Armia might be hard. And these are all probably summer ones, though. I don't think there would be deals on the table for a trade deadline for. Maybe, maybe for like not. But but long it also term. depends on which teams that are, are looking at it. The interest, obviously, Sherrod will probably go early. Uh, the question is, and, and he will set sort of the line. For, for all the other players going, where, how much will you get for the others? Yeah. 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 I, I when it comes to Druin, I think um, it, he's still so young, which is crazy. He's 26 years old. I, I just, yeah. I feel like he's been around forever and he's so skilled. Uh, my issue with him generally is that I just, the, the actual impact on the ice is not, not as high as I think you would want out of a top, you know, six player, especially on the, the uh, power play, a little bit disappointing. He's so skillful and he comes up with some beautiful passes and some nice goals. But then when you look at the actual impact over the time he's been on the Habs on the power play, and it's just not that good. Uh, but on the other hand, Montreal's power play is absolutely atrocious anyway. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> All right, you've been listening to Jason Paul. You find him on uh, Wave Intel at Twitter. Please follow him. He's well worth his weight in gold for the rest of us with his fantastic charts and uh, his willingness to to talk about his thoughts and what his models comes up with. And uh, I really appreciate that. And uh, I'm looking forward to to grab that beer in person one day jason it's it would be not only one i can promise you that yeah yeah i look forward <laughs> to that
down here in front of some snakes and some lions. It'll be great. I'll, I'll, I'll do the lions. You take, take the snakes and that's fine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much, Patrick. You've been listening to Absent Minded and Eyes on the Prize production. Thank you guys for listening. We'll be back with another episode shortly.